This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle. Hello, everybody. This is Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio, and it is still September. And if you haven't listened to a few of my previous segments um, or episodes for September, just know that you're going to get my spiel about um, ovarian cancer awareness because September is ovarian cancer awareness month. And I know that breast cancer gets a lot of um, discussion in October uh, because the mammograms are a wonderful early detection test. Um, and But it also is important to keep track in um, the health of your of your ovaries. So if you know anyone who has ovaries or if you had ovaries or have ovaries, um, I encourage you to know what the symptoms are for ovarian cancer. And I have been posting them on my social media. Um, and although there's not an early detection test, there are symptoms that you can pay attention to. And so it's essential that if you feel like these symptoms, even though they may seem generally um, like nothing, you know, like you're eating less but getting full faster. Your, your bowel or bladder habits have changed. Belly pain that doesn't seem to be resolving with much. Um, sex is now uh, uncomfortable or painful. Um, those are things that you need to follow up with your doctor about and tell them that. Keep a journal. What gets it, makes it better, what makes it worse. If you have a family history of gynecological cancers or breast cancers, prostate cancers, you need to let your doctor know that. Um, and it's nothing, none of this is to scare anybody. It's knowledge is power. So, you know, uh, there's a lot of research being done to get that early detection test developed. But for now, we need to help and educate each other and uh, support each other as much as we can. So there you go. I am a huge advocate for the Ovarian Cancer Research Alliance. And so, um, I like to educate as much as I can and help as many as I can. So hopefully that will help. Um, I'll also have stuff posted on my uh, website at patriciawfisher.com as well as my social media. So check those out. But when everybody takes a breath and wants to sit back and relax because it's the, getting into the fall, we're officially the first day of fall. And one of the best things to do in the fall is to curl up with a really good book Maybe, you know, if you're into pumpkin spice, whatever, I am a salted caramel type person myself. And so um, I always encourage everyone to pick up a good book. And so I've got a really good author that has been on the show before. So uh, Sapna Srinivasan uh, lives in Seattle, Washington, with her perfectionist husband and perfect daughter. Her name in Hindi means dream. And true to its meaning, Sapna finds gratification in dreams and storytelling. She was born in southern India, raised in northern India, spent the better part of her adult life in the United States. She therefore unabashedly crutches on her clutches her Indian roots while embracing the American in herself. She loves to cook traditional Indian food, and yes, she uses cilantro in practically everything. And when she isn't cooking, writing, or being intellectually stumped by her daughter, she may be found running down the nearest trail by her Pacific Northwest home. The inspiration for her debut novel, A New Mantra, has been her own journey as both a woman of color and runner, and later being a sport that was introduced to her by her husband. And then her newest book, A Rebel's Mantra, came out in July, and then she'll have another book of the same series, A Mantra for uh, A Mantra for Miss Perfect, comes out in January. So you have time to read the first two books of her series before the third book comes out. Um, and her, she is on her website, Facebook, Twitter, BookBub, Insta, uh, Book uh, Goodreads, and then I have all the links of her social media in the write-up of the show. Welcome today, Satna. How are you? 
Thank you, Patricia, for having me. I'm very excited to be here. I'm doing well. How about yourself? Pretty good. I, you know, I practiced saying your name, and then I stumbled the last part. So <laughs> my apologies again. Um, no, I have good. been practicing. Yeah. But it, it never seems to fail that I'll get on, and I, I focus so hard to say it right, and I stumble over my tongue. So my apologies for that. Oh, you're fine. And if it makes you feel any better, um, the northern part of India where I live for the majority of my life, people struggle to say my last name there too. So it's, oh, it has okay. nothing to do with – it's got everything to do with how many syllables there are in it probably. That might be, that might be <laughs> one reason why people uh, get stumped there. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was I want to make sure everyone's name is, is pronounced correctly because then it also helps mm-hmm. readers find you. So, um, but I will spell all that out at the end and and everybody the links are in the write up. So, we'll make sure your new new to you readers will find you. Um, so you have so since we talked last, you had a new mantra had to come out last time we talked to you. Mm-hmm. And now mm-hmm. just like a month and a half ago, you have this new book come out and it's part of the same family. Um, so mm-hmm. tell me about this this book. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you're right. The, the last time we talked, uh, a new mantra on my first book in the Sue Family series was just coming out. Um, April 21st is when that one came out. Um, the second book in the series, A Rebel's Mantra, just came out July 12th. Um, so the second book is basically it pulls one of the characters from the first book, Layla Sood, who is Mira Sood's um, cousin in book one. And um, I just felt like um, I, I knew going in that this was going to be a four-book series. And so um, my editor and my publisher uh, encouraged me to think about, you know, who are the characters standing out in that first book that you could potentially tap to write this second right. book if indeed are linking, you know, the characters. Um, and so these books are standalone novels, but the second book is essentially Layla Sood's story. Um, and she's a rebel, as the title um, reveals, you know, she is a rebel. She doesn't go by, um, you know, she doesn't follow the family norms and the rules, uh, which is sort of contrary to Mira Sood in book one, because Mira is a traditionalist, and she you know, it just follows, you know, she walks the line, but Layla does mm-hmm. not. Um, and so uh, the story is just, it sort of puts a spin on um, that whole Indian culture theme, but also trying to see it from a different point of view, from the point of view of a rebel. And so um, it's a romance story um, that, that sort of capture, tries to capture, you know, Layla's um, spirit, rebel spirit, but also how, you know, um, Love makes her rethink how to, uh, you know, put that rebel spirit into perspective a little bit. Right. Because when she meets this, she meets this perfect traditional, uh, the, uh, the traditional idea of a perfect husband, Indian husband. You know, this guy's a doctor, he's handsome, he comes from a, a well-to-do Indian-American family. So he's everything that Layla ran away from or is running away from or trying to avoid. Sure. But then... When her feelings come into play, now she has to think, oh, my gosh, now this guy, I would never pick guy out of a crowd. He's not my type. But then her heart feels differently from her head. Her head and her heart are now disagreeing. And so um, it's essentially <laughs> that story. And so, yeah, yeah that's, that's what she and I And I love that. You know, it's like no way, no how, that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then mm-hmm. it does. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting how that I, I've – 
in real life, I've heard of that a lot. I wasn't looking for anybody. He was the last place. Mm-hmm. I thought I'd ever meet mm-hmm. anybody, and that's what happened. So, yeah, I yeah. love that. I love that storyline. <laughs> and and I love that she's like this wild, in, I mean, not wild in the sense of uncontrollable. She's not like unhinged. But, I mean, she's, <laughs> she's this free, lovely, yeah. um, self-owning, you know, like she knows who she is. Yeah. Like she's very mm-hmm. comfortable with that. Um, and so she's just fun, and then you've got all the the music layering in because Layla's in the rock band, and so you know to meet somebody that's kind of her opposite. Um, you know, people would some people would say, well, that's where you find the balance, right? Because um, you know, two extremes, but then those those extremes have to find the balance with each other. <laughs> exactly. 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 And my my mother-in-law, uh, she has this um, saying that she'll say, you know, she'll uh, she'll tell us, um, you should never say never. And she, the, you know, there's a there's a, a Hindi way of saying that, but you never say never because when you say never, it's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just sort of. Oh, for you know, sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's <laughs> forces in play that you know whatever yeah. anybody wants to call it, it's, we just don't know. <laughs> we really exactly. don't. Don't tell the universe because when you say never, that's like you're telling the universe, you know, I'm making the rules, and the universe is like, actually, no, you're not. Yeah, actually, you're not. Oh, good. Yeah, good luck thinking that you're in control. Um, Exactly. So, so what made you pick a rock band for Layla's um, her focus? I mean, I I could see you picking Mm -hmm. music, but why a Mm -hmm. rock band? Yeah, I wanted to, you know, um, I love telling stories, and when I tell a story, and I, I practice this with my daughter because she's always asking me to tell her stories, I try to make it unpredictable. Like, I, I try mm-hmm. to make it as unpredictable as I possibly can without completely confusing the, the listener or the reader in this case. And so I wanted to find um, something for Layla, like her, her exterior goal, um, I wanted it to be something that is not necessarily something that someone would think of when they think of Indian culture. So okay. uh, and rock music is not something that you generally would associate with Indian culture. We've got other things, you know, we've got the sitar and things like that, but we don't, um, I mean, it's not something you necessarily think of when you think of Indian culture. And so I wanted to pull that in. I wanted to give her something that was her own because she's so individualistic. I wanted her exterior goal to be something that was as unique as her personality. And um, right. and part of what influenced that, too, um, was, uh, you know, in, in college, I, I very, very basic skills, but I, I played a little guitar, and, and I used to sing in our college uh, band, and so we played at competitions and stuff. And so that sort of influenced me a little bit. Um, sure. I felt like I could pull that experience uh, as well. So, And, you know, it, you've been writing a long time, though. I mean, not just before you actually mm-hmm. had your books published, but, I mean, mm-hmm. if I remember right, you've always been kind of a storyteller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I tell that to people, uh, you know, when they ask me how long I've been a, a writer, I tell them I've been a writer way longer than I've been an author. Author was just a fairly new thing that happened in my life that I didn't necessarily expect. But I've been writing stories since I was a kid. I just like to tell stories and so I would just write stories. So you're you're Mm -hmm. right. Um, And you're right that correctly. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah. So what, I mean, what were your, the storyteller influences in your family? Because, I mean, mm-hmm. usually when I talk to people, it's like, oh, you know, this person was a good storyteller. I got inspired by this book. I mean, who, who were your storyteller influences? Yeah, that's such a great question, Patricia. Uh, you know, um, I think part of it was, I think there were two factors. One was just my upbringing. I was a latchkey kid. Um, you know, my parents both worked um, uh, a full-day jobs. And so I came home, sometimes to an empty house. Sometimes my grandma was there, you know, when I arrived from school. And I was very shy. And I still am. There's a part of me that's very shy. I don't um, necessarily share my um, emotions with people um, easily. I, 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 I generally, my instinct is to internalize. And so when, when I think what people who do that, they have to find another outlet. And my sure. outlet just was writing. I, I would just write. I would journal. I would write. And through my stories, I would sort of express what I'm feeling. Um, and so that was one uh, aspect that influenced um, my storytelling and why I, I sort of um, uh, veered towards that. Uh, the other thing was um, my grandma um, was, was really, she really showed up for me when I was a kid. Like she used to take care of me um, when I would come back from school. She'd make me, you know, my meals and my mm-hmm. lunch, and she would help me with my homework. And she used to tell me stories. Um, she, she was, she was this, you know, she, um, she was an old, uh, old. I mean, I don't want to say old lady, but she, you know, she lived a good portion of her life. She was, you know, she didn't have the energy to run around and play with me physically. So she used to turn yeah. to her storytelling skills. And so I have really good memories of that. And she just would come up with these stories. She didn't have a yeah. hundred stories to tell me each time. And I always asked her for a new one. So um, so that too, you know, I, I found this sort of, um, this sort of warmth uh, to, to the practice of storytelling. I felt um, comforted as I listened to her telling me these stories. And so I think that might have been the second factor that influenced me. Oh, yeah. I mean, those, it, it's interesting because I tell my kids, you know, that mm-hmm. I'm in my 50s. And so we were talking mm-hmm. about a lot of different things. Obviously, politically, there's mm-hmm. a lot of things that have been happening the past several years. Mm-hmm. And so I'll say you have to realize that your grandparents lived through mm-hmm. these things that have happened. And they kind of look at me like, oh, wow, that doesn't – I mean, because they don't think of them as mm-hmm. – you know, ancient in the sense of, yeah. you, know, you know, decades and decades ago and 100 years ago. But, mm-hmm. I mean, um, it's like you need to go talk to them and ask them what it was like to see, mm-hmm. um, you know, whites-only entrances and, and water mm-hmm. fountains and, and all these things. And what did you think at the time? And, and I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's those kind of things that you, you won't get that firsthand experience for very much longer in the sense of in 20, 30 years, a lot of those people won't mm-hmm. be here um sadly Mm -hmm. and so it's it like with my great-grandmother like she sounds a lot like Mm -hmm. your grandma she was older Mm -hmm. she couldn't play but she could tell these great stories um Mm -hmm. and it's just it was it was like taking a trip like a mental trip you know Mm -hmm. like and the visualness of it and the food and the sounds and so yeah Mm -hmm. um i those those Mm -hmm. influences are so important i think um and so you definitely got a wonderful one 
Uh, yeah, I, I I was very fortunate. She she um, passed away because of COVID actually, but um, no, and no. but she really yeah. But you know she I I have just the the best memories of her. And it's funny you said that uh, Patricia because you know I feel like sometimes we don't give them the credit that they deserve because we just um, you know I feel like sometimes I didn't realize. The, the things that she would say to me when I was a kid, I almost use now today, you know, um, she used to say to me, you know, if you, you cannot change your circumstances, but you can change your attitude as far as how you handle things, you know, so mm-hmm. that, and you can, you change your attitude, you, the circumstances don't really matter after a point, you know, it's just how you look at it, how you view right. your life, and so. And that's so true. I didn't, you know, back then I probably didn't take that advice as seriously. But as I got older, you know, um, some of the things she used to say to me really um, stuck with me. Um, so yeah, I feel like they've they have a lot to offer. I think it's just a question of us listening more, maybe, and maybe applying what they say more to our lives. But yeah, sure. Well, and it's crazy stuff. Like my kids are like, what do you mean you didn't have phones? And what happened when you went to your mm-hmm. friend's house? And it's like, we just left. I mean, it was like, bye, I'll see you later. And, you know, you're supposed to be back by a certain time. I mean, it's like, that just happened. <laughs> we all made it back, you know. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's this, or, um, even watching shows from the 80s and 90s, they'll be like, what is that? It's like it's a landline, you know, or mm-hmm. why are they, they – why are they – you know, turning the station on the TV, it's like, because it's a dial. There's only like three stations. I mean, it's, and, and it's those <laughs> kinds of things. It's like, guys, it's just not yeah. been that long. I mean, you know, technology right. has exploded in the last 40 years. So you just have no, mm-hmm. I mean, our, you know, our kids will never know a life without Internet. Oh, yeah. You know, That's just so true. Or, or oh, without so cell right. phones. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel like it's, life is way easier now than it was before. And I think the struggle aspect of it, you know, my grandma got married when she was 16. And um, mm-hmm. so, she, and, you know, she learned from, you know, she learned from the challenges she faced in her life. And there was no one to counsel her. She was in her in-law's house and she had to figure things out on her own. And that sort of helped her. And I think that's what kind of honed her wisdom. Um, And so I feel like sometimes I I worry that our kids just have it so easy. They have no idea, not to say that they have to go through tons of struggle in their life, but sometimes, you know, that just helps us grow and become stronger and wiser, I feel like. But yeah. Oh, for sure. So anybody listening, if you have somebody in your family that's older and um, you've always wanted to ask them questions, just if they'll let you, um, at least at least audio record the conversation because um, you won't remember everything they tell you, but it is really uh, – I don't know what the word is. It's almost like a hug around your heart when, you know, after they're gone, you hear their voices again. Because you think you'll always remember what they sound like, but to hear it again is just another level. Um, So, you know, put those, record. Um, I actually, I haven't told my mother-in-law this, so if she hears this, she'll be horrified. But um, when we (laughs) visited her, when we visited her last, this last summer, my daughter started talking to her and asking her a bunch of questions. So I just kind of sat off to the side and video recorded it because my (laughs) mother-in-law hates how she looks on camera. So if I don't do it in secret, she'll never let us. Um, So. (laughs) <laughs> but we're not going to show anybody but us. You know, it's just going to be us. 
So, um, but it was really sweet because it's those moments, mm-hmm. you know, and um, mm-hmm. it's it's just very interesting to see how that carries over. I don't care what culture you are. You always have that person in your life that's the storyteller and that weaves mm-hmm. these beautiful um, layers and, and is such an influence. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good one. It's good. Mm-hmm. So you have... Mm-hmm. You have the first book is a new mantra. The second book is a, mm-hmm. a rebel's mantra. And then you'll have mm-hmm. a mantra from Miss Perfect coming out in January. And then the fourth book of that series is going to be a homecoming mantra. So mm-hmm. tell us, so you've got a, a, a one person, then her cousin. And then who mm-hmm. are the next two? Yeah, so book three is actually another cousin um, from the Sood family. Um, her name is Sahana Sood, and her uh, the book three is basically her story, um, her love story. Um, she is a perfectionist. She is sort of the other side of the coin with Layla because she follows all the rules. She's sort of mm-hmm. a mix of and Layla because she is basically, she's checked all the boxes, right? She's got, she's a successful attorney. She's beautiful. She, you know, respects her elders in the family. She respects her family rules. She basically made her parents very, very proud and her mom very, very proud. Um, However, there's one big box that she hasn't checked and that is just finding her husband. And so she is single and for some reason just love, just evades her uh, and she and after a point she's just frustrated she's like I don't understand like what's happening and so book three is basically her um, journey uh, to trying to check that final box and um, how she meets this guy who just annoys her at first and then potentially threatens to help her check that box but she needs to be brave enough to you know sort of um, pass the hurdles uh, if she wants to, if she wants to make it all the way with him, but yeah, that's that's book three, um, and then book four, uh, a homecoming mantra is um, a second cousin, and I wanted uh, the fourth book to ha- to feature a male um, a male lead. I wanted this to be a hero. We've had three girls, book one, book two, book three, and I thought I thought maybe the fourth one it would be fun to have. Um, a man in the lead, and so he is a second cousin um, of uh, the Sid family, and his name is Sham Sood, and he's a single dad trying to, you know, um, trying to be basically the best dad he can be to his daughter, um, and so, but, but he's scared of love because he's been he's yeah. been hurt once before. Um, and his wife cheats on him, and so he he you know gets a, he gets a divorce, and he basically moves back to his hometown of Seattle. But then he okay. meets this uh, beautiful you know woman who, but, but, and she seems to have everything that he could ever dream of having in that in that soulmate. But he's again he's scared of love, and so um, the fourth book you know tours that sort of path with him, um, how he overcomes his, uh, his emotional obstacles to, to finding true love with her. 
Well, yeah, and you've added this other layer, whether it's uh, whatever mm-hmm. single parent, male or female. I mean, you do have to mm-hmm. consider um, that layer of the child, you know, who's going to get along, exactly. who's the child's going to accept and get along with for sure. So, yeah, you've you've added um, another layer into that. So I, I can't mm-hmm. wait because, you know, you've got yeah. uh, all these different characters here. They're getting their stories. Did you, when you first started um, – the, the first book, I know that we spoke that she, that character, she spoke the loudest to you. But then as you were writing that story, is that how you decided how you were going to tell and what order you were going to tell the other stories? Yes. Uh, I, I think it just played out that way. And I think we, as, when we write a story, um, and I'm sure you can relate to this too, Patricia, um, you know, as, as we tell the story, there are some characters that, that just jump out and they feel, and you feel like their story needs to be next. That's how I felt as I, as I um, told that first story. I felt like Layla needed to be the, second, the, the lead in the second book. And as I told mm-hmm. Layla's story, um, book two features a lot of Sahana because Layla and Sahana don't get along at all. And so they, okay. they, they uh, lock horns all the time because they're essentially opposites. And so I felt like Layla got to tell her side of the story, but now I wanted Sahana to get the chance to tell her side of the story. Like, why is she such a hard head? You know, like, why is she, you know, um, uh, why, why does she have to be Miss Goody Two-Shoes? Uh, and so I thought right. she needed to tell the story. And, and yeah, and uh, in book three, Sean makes his first appearance, and so that naturally fell into place as far as, um, you know, the lineup goes. I felt like that would be book four. Right. Do you have more cousins or siblings or aunts and uncles coming? Um, you mean in the series? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no. I, so book four is the final one in this particular series. Um, I'm dabbling in, um, you know, with, with the idea of, you know, possibly, you know, writing another series. But, yeah, it's uh, it's it's still in, in the developmental stage as far as it's, it's still in my head right now. So I need to get it out on paper. <laughs> but for this series, it's just a book. <laughs> So when you were writing book two and book three and you're talking about how people are butting heads, did you you have the um, overlap, like the conversation, obviously, from Layla's point of view in book two, but then you get to book three, and if it's the same conversation, you have to switch it to Sahana's point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, did you, did you do like side by side as you were making sure the dialogue when or you know everything matched to me to to do that or how how did you do that did you take make notes or how did you plot that mm-hmm. out um so as far as you know the for me what i wanted to capture with that was the dynamic um and so i needed mm-hmm. to keep that dynamic consistent um and so i needed to have Layla stay her sort of individualistic rebel in book two and book three, or when she makes her small appearance in book three, um, because book three is about Sahana's story, so she comes, she Layla features in that book, but not as much. Uh, Sahana is sort of in the spotlight there. Um, so for me, the challenge was just really to keep them true to who they were, as far as their personalities go, as far as how a reader would would imagine them. Um, I needed to just keep that consistency going, and so. So when right. I did that, the dynamics between them automatically fell into place. So, um, you know, I, I kept Layla as the rebel, and, you know, Sahana is the perfectionist. She is, uh, mm-hmm. you know, she's 
with fancy pants, perfectionist. And so that's how she is in book two. And that's exactly how I retained her in book three as well. So I, um, I did, I did uh, take notes as far as, you know, some bullet points on, okay, this is what I need to capture. And this is how I'm portraying her in book two. And so this is how I need to portray her in book three. Um, and sometimes I would even refer to the old manuscript just to make sure I'm not saying anything in book three that is contrary to what happened in book two. So, yeah. Right, right. Um, do you do you have like a system? Do you have a, a like do it an Excel spreadsheet or do you have your own uh, work pages or how do you keep everybody mm-hmm. organized um, in the different <laughs> books? Yeah, you know, if somebody looked at my system, they would, you know, uh, they would phone a doctor. Like, they would think that I need, you know, help. Uh, I, I have a sort of madness method. There's, there's a method in my madness, but it, it is madness. Only I understand my system. Nobody else does. It's, uh, and you're the only one who has to. <laughs> yes, I know. See, that's what I tell people. But when they look at it, they're like, oh, no. Like, are you overwhelmed? Like, what's happening? And I'm like, oh, no, no. I, I know exactly what what's happening here. So it just looks like this. Um, but, you know, there are some uh, people who are so amazing and organized. They can just hand over their system to another person and they can understand exactly what's happening there. But for me, I just like to – so for me, I'm very um, – uh, intuitive and instinctive. And so when I think of an idea, I'll just quickly write it down. And so I'm all about the notes. And I'm old school. I don't technology and I just don't see eye to eye all the time. I pretend right. it's otherwise, but it's the fact is I hate technology. So I, I'm a pen and paper <laughs> Um So I've got my old school sticky notes and I, I use, you know, I, I, I'll just write notes down on paper and just tape it to, you know, uh, right on the wall in front of me, right in front of my desk where I work. So, yeah, pretty Hey, arty. there's nothing wrong with that tactile, you know? There's nothing wrong with that tactile yeah. method, you know, writing it down. Yeah. I, I I tend to remember it better if I've written it down. Um, yes. And at least I yes. know where where I've written it down, which helps. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Yeah, yep. As, as yep. opposed to just highlighting it somewhere. It's like, I don't remember yep. where that is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah. it's the same for me. I'm a very, I'm a visual learner. I, uh, so I, I'm the kind of person who will fall asleep listening to a podcast. I can never, you know, I can never hear, uh, learn something or capture any information if I just listen to it. Um, mm-hmm. I have to visually see it um, to for it to, you know, uh, for it to retain it. And so for me. I don't know why, but when I type something, it just doesn't compute the same way. I have to write it down, and then I will, mm-hmm. you know, remember it. So, but yeah. <laughs> so you've got a lot of family and food and fun and love in all your books. What has been your favorite food to put in your books so far? Um, I tend to um, veer toward soul food, uh, Indian uh soul food, which is basically, you know, tikka masala, biryani. Um, I like to do a lot of, you know, um, the, the kind of comfort food for us um, uh, in the northern part of India. So basically lots of chai, samosa, and tikka masala is what I generally tend to go for. <laughs> it's just stuff I love to eat, and so it's stuff I love to cook for my family, and so that mm-hmm. just automatically becomes the food I end up talking about in my stories, too. <laughs> 
So are you going to put any re- uh, recipes out or recipe cards so people can uh, know how to make it or how you make it? Yeah. Oh, actually, in book three, so in book one, uh, I, I sort of I sort of try to outline the recipes as Mira is cooking. You know, I try to do like second um, secondhand action a little bit where she's chatting with Layla and she's making, you know, a batch of biryani and she's dinner talking, whatever the spices are there. And I try to capture that as a sort of secondhand um, action scene. But um, in book three, I took went a, went a little bit extra and I actually put down an Indian version of apple pie, which I, because I love apple pie, but I, and so I just thought I'd put a spin on it. And so that's, in book three, I actually have an appetite recipe. <laughs> oh, how fun! So here it, everybody. It's gonna. It's it's the fall season. Apples, apple pie. She's got a book. She's got a recipe in book three. So you know, be watching for that. Uh, she might be nice and post it on social media. Maybe. So maybe we can convince uh, Sapna to do that. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, so you've got some other projects coming up as well. Yes, you said you were working on some things. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm just um, sort of working on outlining um, a, a new series idea. But again, it's just it's in my head. I need to transfer all of that stuff onto paper. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's definitely it's it's in the works in my head. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, I I know that feeling. I've got you know many yeah. many working things in my head. So um, <laughs> it's just like wow. If, even if I lived yeah. a thousand years, I would never get them all written. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. I know, right? It's, yeah. <laughs> and it's like a gnat. It won't go away. I cannot ignore it. It's there. Uh, and so it'll keep, you know, popping up inside my head. And so I know I have to do something about it. I will soon. <laughs> yes. Is there something that you um, absolutely for sure want to write about that you just haven't like, I want to write about this, but, like, an idea hasn't quite come to you yet, or is that something you might be brewing in the back of your brain? Um, I think it is brewing. I, I feel like I want to uh, try to put new spins on the whole arranged marriage concept. Um, I think mm-hmm. it's a concept um, uh, that people find very intriguing here in America because it is such an alien idea, you know, just marrying a complete and total stranger you've never met in your life. But that's just how um, a lot of uh, marriages happened uh, in my family. Uh, And so, but I wanted to sort of try to pull that into focus, but then also put a new spin on it, Um, you know, spin on the first impressions, you know, meeting someone for the first time for 30 minutes and then deciding that they were the one for you. So, you know, so just playing with that more um, right. and putting things on that uh, is, is sort of where I'm going with with the new series idea. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So what has been the best response you've gotten so far from a reader? Oh, yeah. Uh, I, uh, you know, and I'm so humbled when I read that, uh, when I read these types of reviews, but um, I had one reader um, post a review saying that, you know, the a new mantra changed her life because, you know, she could relate to a lot of, um, you know, Mira's story, but it she felt like, you know, it, it sort of put things in perspective for her. And that really, it makes 
such a difference for me to hear that because it's one thing to picture how your story impacts other people and especially other women uh, because this is a, a woman-centric story, uh, but to actually hear that from a reader, um, it just validates this, this crazy dream that I had in my head. So that was just amazing to hear. And um, so, yeah, that, that, that one comes to mind. Uh, yeah. When you ask that question, that's the first one that popped in my head. It's a weird feeling, isn't it, that, you know, you put your mm-hmm. book out there and then all of a sudden somebody writes you about it and says yeah. lovely things. It's like, wow, this really happened. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, it is surreal. <laughs> it is surreal. Uh, and at first, it actually takes some time to sink in because uh, I remember uh, when the reviews started to come in, uh, I had this moment of, is this really me? It, for a moment, the way I was processing it, it was as if this person wasn't me that they were writing about, mm-hmm. it was just somebody else, another author. It, it takes time to sink in, um, and it, the numbing effect has to wear off, and, you know, and then you realize, oh, my gosh, this really is me, you know. Yeah. So uh, it is pretty surreal. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, and then you have that moment of getting to see your book in the, on the shelves, and I mean, it's oh, it's yeah. a process. And I was telling my daughter, she's um in school and college, and she was talking about that first paper you turn into your professor, you know, to mm-hmm. to see you, know, you turn it in thinking you've done a pretty good job, and then you get your your uh, you know your grade back at a revise and resubmit mm-hmm. thing. And I was like, yeah, that never goes away <laughs> with writing. Oh my god, like, no. every time. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, yeah, but it is good when you have that. So I'm glad that uh, people are reaching out. Um, yeah. So you've got your next book coming out in January, and then the other one's coming out next year. Do you know about when? Yeah, so um, book three, A Mantra for Miss Perfect, comes out January 19th, and then A Homecoming Mantra comes out March 21st. Uh, okay. So, that, yeah, that's uh, what we're slated for. Wonderful. And so you can pre-order a mantra for Miss Perfect now, um, a Rebel's mm-hmm. mantra, and a new mantra. Those are out now. So if you get them now, you'll have time to read them before a mantra for Miss Perfect comes out. And then by the, probably the next month or two, they'll have the pre-orders up for Homecoming Mantra. And you can mm-hmm. read them all individually, or you can read them in you know that order, whatever. But they're all standalone, but they all have similar characters, which is always fun to read you know, a whole series of people um, and everything. Um, so one of the things I haven't asked you about is how is your running going? Oh, oh my gosh. Thank you. I, you know, I thought COVID would break my running spirit, honestly, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, because my daughter was home and that was when I used to do my runs is when she was at school. And so all of a sudden I had a child at home and I needed, you know, my husband and I were, you know, between the two of us, it was, you know, I couldn't just take off and go to a trail somewhere. I was a hundred percent sure that I, that I would take a hit. My running would take a hit, but mm-hmm. oddly enough, I started running on the treadmill and I, I used my grandmother's advice. I couldn't change my circumstances. So I changed my attitude and I said, okay, I can't do the distance runs. I will do short runs, but I will work Mm -hmm. on pace instead. Um, I will try to run faster and try to work on my pace and improve my pace. And so uh, I was able to um, maximize my pace. And I, uh, so it's been going well. And I'm actually finding that the, the shorter runs are, good because they're quick they're 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 just as effective but they don't take as long and i feel just as good 
when I'm done with it. So, but yeah, it's right. been going well. It's been going well. Uh, running is running, and my family and writing. Those are the three pillars in my life, and those are the three things that keep me centered, keep me real, me sane. Uh, so yeah, can't do without it. I can't do without. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> It's like breathing, so you've got your three things, and that's important to have those things that get you out of bed every day. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here today and talking to us, Apna. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure, Patricia. I really appreciate you inviting me back. Absolutely. Well, be sure, and everybody out there, go ahead and get Sapna's books, and then you also have a pre-order up you can grab. Well, come back and talk to us again when you're when the next one is out. I'd love to. Thank you, Patricia. Thank you. Absolutely. This has been Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio. We have been talking to Sapna Srinivasan. Yes? Did I say it right? Yay. Uh Um, Even though it was slow, it was correct. (laughs) Yay. So um, um, uh, she has her books out right now. I have a link up to her website, Facebook, Twitter, BookBub, and Goodreads, and all of that is in the write-up of the show. So go ahead and grab her books, and everybody, keep on reading. We'll see you next time. This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions www.cosproductions.com Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle.